0: Welcome to My Business Playbook, where we pull back the curtain on the steps and missteps of successful people. You'll hear a raw and unfiltered play-by-play of what's worked and what hasn't, giving you helpful advice and insights so you can create an amazing business. I'm your host, Laura Higgins, and this is My Business Playbook. I think as small business owners, sometimes we don't actually perceive ourselves as leaders. We might say we're a good technician. We're good at what our technical job is. So for me, it's marketing. I'm confident in marketing, but when it comes to leading others, when it comes to giving feedback, giving like communicating with my team and actually setting the vision for the business, some of those things don't come naturally. And that's why today I'm really looking forward to this conversation I'm having with Emma Green, CEO and co-founder of Your CEO Mentor. This company is on a mission to improve the quality of leaders globally. Emma has worked as a senior marketing director with brands such as Qantas, Westpac, Bumble, Toyota and Kentucky, and she certainly has a lot of knowledge to share. But the interesting thing about her business is that she founded it with her dad. And her dad, his name is Martin Moore. He is a leadership expert, hence the focus on leadership. So, today we're going to be talking all things leadership in small business and why you need to invest in developing your own leadership. I challenge you if you're a small business owner and you think, I'm not a leader, it's fine. I I don't, you know, I don't lead anyone. This conversation is really going to help you shift that mindset. And You know, to be completely honest, I feel like this was a one-on-one mentoring session. So don't judge me. (laughs) Don't judge me for my questions. But I'm really excited for you to hear my conversation. It's really authentic. It's really honest. And Emma has such a wealth of knowledge. So let's dive in to my conversation with Emma Green of Your CEO Mentor. Well, thank you so much, Emma, for joining us today. It's so good to be finally chatting with you. I'm really looking forward to this conversation.
1: Yeah, I can't wait. Thanks so much for inviting me on. It's going to be good. Now, tell us
0: about your CEO mentor. What do you guys do and how did you guys start?
1: Oh, gosh, how long have you got? <laughs> um, so, look. In a nutshell, we are a leadership development business. So, um, you know, we, our purpose is to improve the quality of leaders globally, and we do that through a whole bunch of different content avenues, basically. So, we've got our podcast, No Bullshit Leadership. Um, we've got our seven-week online leadership program, Leadership Beyond the Theory. We do a bunch of keynotes, um, consulting, one-on-one mentoring. And we're about to release a book as well in August. So we have uh, many fingers in many pies at the moment. (laughs) So exciting. I didn't know you were releasing a
0: book. What's the book Mm. called? Do you have a name
1: yet? Uh, It may surprise you. No bullshit leadership. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's great.
0: Oh, how exciting. And so what actually sparked the idea of your CEO mentor? How did that come about?
1: So, it started quite a while ago. So, just for um, listeners who don't know who I am, and you, you'll probably say this in my intro, but I'm in business with my dad. So, he's my co-founder. And Marty was, he was the CEO of a big energy company in Australia, multi-billion dollar company. And I was working in marketing agency land. So, I was um, client services director of a marketing agency, mostly experiential. So, I worked with some really incredible brands. Um big budgets, lots of fun. You know, I really loved that. And I've just got such a love for marketing. You know, it really is um, my passion. And so I was I was kind of working in, you know, moving my career in that way. And, and Marty was CEO of this company. And it was just years and years of me having really subpar leaders. And all the time I would be on the phone to Marty going, what do I do here? What do I do there? What's my next play here? You know, this lady's is doing this. How can I, you know, get the best out of this situation? He was really mentoring me through my entire career, and it definitely made me move a lot faster than I would have otherwise. Um, and I just got so much value out of it. I had my friends asking me, "Hey, I've got this problem. What does Marty suggest?" And he would be, you know, <laughs> kind of giving me advice for my friends, and. Really, in about 2016, I was just—I remember—I was in uh, Melbourne with my husband, and I was crying about something. I just had this. My boss was emailing me while I was meant to be on holidays or something, and you know, getting angry at me for something. And I was just on the phone to Marty, and I was crying. I was just saying, "Why does it have to be like this? You know, why? Why do there have to be so many bad leaders? Like everywhere I go, there's just you know, someone who makes my life or my friend's life hell." And he said, yeah, you know, I've actually been thinking about writing a book about this, you know, to try and help people, give people really practical um, tools and strategies on how to lead because what usually happens is that people just get promoted because they're really good at their technical expertise, whatever that might be, and they don't actually get taught how to lead. They just kind of, okay, well, now you're getting promoted and now you have five people to look after and now you have 30 people to look after and now you have 100 people to look after. And there's very little um, focus that goes into prepping people before that or developing them while they're in those roles. So he said, you yeah, know, I want to write a book. And I thought, oh, gosh, don't write a book. Book is old school, um, which is <laughs> funny now that we're actually about to publish a book. But um said, you know, let's make something digital. Let's do something digital so that we can, you know, get your, uh, you know, perspectives all over the world. People can access them really easily. That was about 2016 where the, where the bud of the idea started. And then for a few years, we just kept kind of working on it. We just kept, you know, coming back to it every couple of weeks and chatting about, you know, what would a product look like? What would a business model look like? How would we get customers? And um, I think because Marty had that big business knowledge... It was so beneficial. You know, I would never have been able to put together such a robust business plan myself. Having him to kind of work through all those bits and pieces that I would have never thought of um, helped us get to a really good place in 2018 where he was coming up to the end of his contract. They asked him to renew and we kind of said, all right, it's now or never, you know, we either do this thing. We give it a crack for six months, see if we can, you know, make something of it. If we can, great, let's keep going. If we can't, we've given it a go and, you know, you go get another CEO gig somewhere else, I'll go find another marketing agency job and we'll go from there. And thankfully, (laughs) everything worked out as we hoped it would. And um, yeah, this is, we're going into our third year now, which is really exciting. So that was a long story, but I think the background is important.
0: Totally. And I think the fact, so you guys were working your day jobs and building this thing on the side for two years. Is that kind of the timeline?
1: Mm -hmm. Crazy. Yeah. And it wasn't as focused as, you know, we didn't do it every night working until 2am. It was kind of, all right, let's get a block on a Saturday if we can and work through some things or uh, let's put together a list of people who we think could be our ideal clients and let's spend the next couple of weeks getting on the phone with them and interviewing them about what they need or what would have been great when they were coming up as a leader. So we kind of just did things over time. Um, we actually, I think we got our branding done in to th- late 2016 um, because we knew that that was what we wanted to do, but we wanted to get you know some visuals around that. So yeah, we just kind of worked on putting all the pieces together, um, but I wouldn't say you know, we probably could have done all that work in three months if we'd been really um, committed to it.
0: Right. And so, talk to me about the different roles because it seems like you and your dad have really different roles within the business. Um, I'm also curious: how do you go working with your dad? Do you get asked that a lot?
1: <laughs> yes, all the time. <laughs> I, I would probably get. I think I get about six or seven emails a week from podcast listeners saying is it weird calling your dad Marty all the time? <laughs> <laughs> People are They're really totally, interested in that.
0: It, so it, but for good. me, it's
1: it's weird. I just really naturally switch between the two. So it actually doesn't, I don't even think about it. It doesn't bother me anymore. <laughs> um, I think when I first started doing it, I felt like I was being very formal saying Marty and now it's just, you know, rolls off the tongue. Our uh, Different roles. Yes. So we, we, The great thing about us is that we are so different and we bring such different skills to the business. So that makes our accountabilities very clear. The best way I can describe it is he's the talent and I'm the one that gets everything out to the people. You know, I'm the one that, you know, figures out how to get his amazing information into the hands of the people who need it. And so when you kind of split it out like that, he's the content guy. So he makes all the content. Obviously it's in line with our, you know, our strategies and our clients and, you know, everything like that. But, you know, he he's solely focused really these days on just content creation and client work. So, you know, his keynotes and, you know, working with individuals and organizations. And then I do everything on the other side of that. So, uh, technically, my role is CEO, and I have that, you know, big. I guess I have the the macro overview, but I'm also really in the details. Whereas Marty is very big picture, and he just focuses, um, you know, on the content. It wasn't always like that, especially at the very beginning, because he had to be really involved in the smaller bits and pieces. But now that we're bigger, and you know, we have help and, you know, software that does things for us and people that does things for us, um, he can be really focused on that part of the business. So I think, you know, the, the key to your question, how do we work together, is we're really respectful of the other person's expertise and we don't cross those lines of accountability. Yes, we discuss things. Of course, we, you know, argy-bargy about, okay, but I think this and I think this, um, but one person is always the accountable decision maker. So you know, yeah. yeah, okay, Marty. Yep, I've taken what you've said into consideration, but this is my domain, and this is what I'm going to do for these reasons. And he fully respects that, and we just go move on, and vice yeah. versa. So it is a really, um, it's a it's a great partnership. Like I honestly didn't even think that it would work as well as it does. But yeah, that's not to say that we don't we don't um, you know have disagreements <laughs> here and there, but they are very far and few between.
0: Yeah, and it's so interesting because. I work with my husband a lot. He, he is like really involved in the business. And I get asked that question a lot too, of like, how do you do that? You know, like, how do you, and we started working together in COVID. And so it was like, we were kind of social distancing. So we were at home working from home or we'd like work from our office, but then we'd be together all day, get home of night, mm. and cook dinner and be like, have a good day. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've been <laughs> with each other all day, so, and I think the big piece of advice that I received was exactly what you said, having clear domains. So for me, marketing is my domain, the brand is my domain. the communication side is is that that's where I live, and then Nath is in the systems, the processes, making sure everything he's kind of like the business brains of of the operation. So I think that's helped us a lot to having that clarity of, okay, well, and like you say, like at the end of the day, we could disagree on something, but marketing and brand is my zone and I'm going to make the call on that. And, and like equally his zone is around the business management side. And so he'll make a call on that. So I think that's such good, um, good advice for sure.
1: So- yeah and I think it you know being able to have those robust conversations where everyone gives their perspective because there's definitely times where I change my mind on things where I think this is the way that I definitely want to go a great example of that is the book cover so we we finalized the book cover a couple of weeks ago yeah. and the the design that we went with was not my first pick was not my top pick but Marty and I had a discussion we had a chat with our marketing team our publisher and you know, everyone was kind of aligned and then Marty and I had a chat. Usually that would be my domain, you know, marketing and branding and, and you know, yeah. how we look externally. And, you know, he spoke through the, the key things that he thought were really relevant and important with that and I changed my mind. I said, okay, yeah, actually, you're right. Let's go with that. So I think, you know, being able to have robust conversations but on the flip side, being open to changing your mind when you've got new information, um, that's really important as well. Absolutely, I think that's such good advice.
0: And so, on that, while you were scaling, you know, your business. Actually, how many how many people do you have working for you at the moment? Like, what's your team look like?
1: So this is actually really exciting for us. We have one new full time employee, and yeah. then we have part timers who do you know just bits and pieces. So we've got you know our um, uh, digital marketing specialist that does all the you know our paid advertising and everything like that we've got um a specialized book marketing team so like just for just completely focused on that and obviously like everything works in you know i guess through me so every everything kind of comes through me but yeah really exciting i've finally taken the plunge to Yay. full time and it's the best thing i've ever done
0: <laughs> oh my gosh that's so good well that leads me into the next question in in growing your ceo mentor what do you think has been the most valuable investment that you've made?
1: That's so hard because we run the business very lean. There are little there are you know p- software for example there are little bits of software that have just made my life so much easier or you know have given me time back things like yeah. that. The branding was a great investment up front, so I would, you know, we still use the branding that we did in 2016 and I still love it. Um, We're doing, we're getting new branding done for Marty's um, kind of like separate brand at the moment and we're piggybacking off the branding that was done in 2016 and we're just kind of, you know, tweaking things to suit so it all kind of sits in the same family. But we're still using that. Like that was the best investment that we could have made because that, you know, really informed the design for our socials, for our website, everything like that. So I would say that that was a really good investment. It's tricky because we, as I said, we we run lean, but we spend where we need to spend. So you know, we, we don't go over the top in areas that we don't need to. So, for example, I taught myself Final Cut Pro so that if I needed a video done really quickly, I could just whip that up. Um, but there are other things that we really invest in. So, let's say if we need really good video quality um you know, for something, uh, we'll go and go to a proper studio, spend, you know, $10,000 on getting something done right, get it done right the first time. So there's there's not really one kind of thing that I can pick out as being that was the best investment, but definitely the best recent investment has been bringing cash on board <laughs> and getting, getting, you know, someone with a different perspective, um, different ideas, different knowledge to come into the business and work on it as hard as I do. That's like a dream. What a
0: game changer. How exciting. All right. Well, mm. I, I really want to get into some practical tips and tricks and advice because I know that you've got so much to share around leadership, building a business. And I know our listeners will absolutely love what you have to say. So let's get into some tips. Speaking about leadership, what do you think are the most common leadership mistakes that small business owners make when they're scaling and growing their business?
1: I think the the biggest one that I see is micromanaging. So staying, still staying down in the detail after you've hired people to do a job. So this can be very, very difficult. I am always checking myself for it because the business is your baby. You built this thing from the ground up, blood, sweat and tears, and then you hire someone. And if they don't do things exactly like you do them or, you know, exactly the way that you want them done, it can feel jarring because you go, this is my baby. I made this, <laughs> um, which is totally natural. The, the thing is, you will completely disempower your people. So anyone who you've hired, you completely disempower them. You completely take away their accountabilities and they will just feel like, "Why? why bother? Emma is just going to go over and do this anyway. Emma's going to get in and, and make it the way she wants to do it. And, you you know, that, that over a long period of time, that person is not going to feel happy or satisfied or fulfilled. So I think micromanaging is like the number one thing that I see small business owners do. And it's so natural and it's so um, you can move on from it if you're really conscious of the fact that you're doing it. So yeah. that's... Probably the first thing. I'd say uh, wanting to be liked is a big thing that I see in small business owners. So we have this thing um, respect before popularity. You know, popularity doesn't matter at the end of the day, respect does. And you want your people to respect you and respect what you're saying um, more than, you know, wanting them to like you because, you know, just because you have an office where everyone goes, oh, Emma is so great, I like her so much, she's such a great chick, that doesn't mean that, um, you know, they're going to push themselves Um, as hard as you need them to or that doesn't mean that they're going to deliver the outcomes for you. Um, So I think, you know, focusing on getting respect from your people instead of just trying to be like the cool boss is something that is really important. And I would probably say the third thing would be having real clarity on your purpose, your vision, the value that each individual needs to deliver in their role to, you know, then give you the outcomes on the other end for the business, having real clarity and understanding what each individual person is accountable for, what they need to deliver for the bigger picture, and then being able to communicate that to them. Because there's a lot of things that I think as small business owners, we go, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, they know that or they should know that or how do they not get that? But it's that real, um, you know, clear Frequent communication of, you know, this is what you need to be doing. This is what good looks like. This is what your KPIs are. Let's keep going through those to make sure that you are, um, you know, you're hitting them. Do you need support? Um, You know, this is not just for sales, it's for anything. You know, is there anything that I can do to help you to deliver that outcome? So having that clarity of what this person over here does that feeds into what your ultimate goal is and what your vision for the business is, those two things need to really clearly connect. So um, I know there's a lot of stuff in there, but yeah, micromanaging, um, respectful for popularity and real clarity of objectives for not only you as the business owner, but for everyone who works for you, whether they're a full-timer or a freelancer or whatever they might be.
0: That is so, so helpful. And I'm like, mentally taking notes going, okay, gonna, you know, I need to not do that. And and the the popularity thing, for me, that's definitely a big one where I feel like, oh, like I want it to be, I want, you know, La La Social Club to be fun. I want everyone to love working here and, you know, we'll do Friday drinks. It's going to be great. You know, I, I feel like there's this thing in me that is really like, I guess at times still kind of amazed that people even – work for me. Do you get mm-hmm. that? Like there's this thing of, wow, yeah. like this thing has grown and it's really, it started in this started in my bedroom and now it's this this business where people like there's this equal part of like, oh, I have this responsibility to make sure the business is healthy, to make sure that the business is growing so that I can support and and pay these people. But it's also this thing of Wow, like it's really a privilege to feel to have these people who are on board with the vision. So I feel like I kind of go between these two things of being like, "Oh, it's kind of terrifying because there's this responsibility. and also it's mm. this it's a joy at the same time. So I think that's definitely those things definitely ring true for me. And the communication thing, I feel like, and and I've really intentionally, wanted to focus on upskilling and communication this year because I feel like if you can communicate clearly, you can sell things. You can can win people over. You can actually get people on board with your vision. And also you can develop the people around you, right? Because I think another big part as like starting to shift to see myself as more of a leader in my business is actually going, well, sometimes leaders have to have tough conversations, right? And and sometimes that that's where that popularity thing um, can really make everything come unstuck. But that kind of like leads me into our next question. Do you think, like I've kind of found with the small business owners that I've worked with, I don't think many of them would describe themselves as leaders. I think they would kind of be like, well, I'm... I'm a technician, I'm a hairdresser, I'm a gym coach, I, I'm this, but I'm not, I have people working for me, but I'm not a leader. What would you, what would you say to someone who feels like oh, I'm not a leader? And do you have any tips on how to start that mindset shift?
1: Yeah. So um, I think I was saying this to you before we jumped on the call. Um, by the time people get to us, So by the time they're listening to our podcast or, you know, consuming our content on social media, they've usually realized that, okay, leadership is actually something that I need to develop myself in. It's harder than it looks, but I would say you're a leader if you have one person or 10,000 people looking to you, um, you know, for direction and, you know, looking to you for mentoring and development. So, you know, straight off the bat, if you are thinking that you're not a leader, but you have people working for you you are a leader. <laughs> so we can just get that out of the way. Yeah. Um, but how, I think, you know, this really goes back to, you know, if, if we're thinking about how do you um, start thinking of yourself as a leader and start behaving as a leader, it goes back to our um, friend micromanagement or not so friend, because <laughs> that that is really where you need to start going, okay, I've hired people to do a job, It is my job to make sure that they do their job. Like that is your job now is to make sure that they're doing what you've paid them to do. So Marty uh, says this often, you don't buy a dog and bark yourself. So why would you hire someone and then like go and do the thing that you're paying them to do? That's like just makes no sense to me, especially because as small business owners, we have no time as it is, you know, we're already kind of juggling a million things. So really, um, that mindset shift needs to be, okay, you know, I'm not in the details anymore. I need to push myself up. I need to, you know, be that overarching bird's eye view and I need to be, you know, have my time free so that I can, as you said, support those people, you know, make sure you, that you can pay their wages every month. But also, um, you know, I'm paying them to do that. So, I need to give them the support, I need to give them the structures, I need to give them the, the frameworks, um, I need to have time free to be able to have those difficult conversations. We use a framework called the Challenge Coach Confront Framework. So, um, that's about, you know, Challenge your people, push them, you know, make sure that they're, that you're pushing them outside their comfort zone so that they get that satisfaction when they reach their goal of like, yes, I've nailed this. I've done something that was really hard that I didn't know that I could do, but now I've, you know, been able to do it. Thank you for your support. Everyone's happy. So we we challenge them. We coach them, you know, to help them get to those goals. So that's really that, you know, one-to-one, um, those conversations, what can I do to support you? How can I help? How are we going on this project? Um, and then if they step out of line and they're not delivering or whatever the case may be, you need to confront them and you need to be able to have that, um, you know, that really clear conversation with them about, okay, these were your expectations. I've You asked for help here, here, here. You still haven't delivered you know, now what's next? And you can't do any of that if you're down in the details doing their work for them because you're, you know, you're there, you're not up here. So um, there's a lot as a leader that you are responsible for, not just paying their wages every month. That's just a, that's just a a standard. That's like the bottom of the bar. Then there's all these other things that you need to do to be able to, you know, yes, wines on Friday afternoons is lovely, but it's not going to give them that long term satisfaction. Um, you know, that, that you, you think about like anything in life that you've gone. Man, I can't even believe I did that. Those things that made you feel the most fulfilled, the most satisfied, that's when you did something that was really, really hard. So, that's what you want to be doing with your people. You, know, you want to be—you know, have that time carved out so that you can push them, you can help them achieve amazing things. And that's going to then flow through to your business. And so, everybody wins. So, I think you know, even if you've got one person, it's, it's that. It's, it's really you know, it's your responsibility to carve out that time to be able to get the best out of your people who you're paying, um, not to be doing their job for them. And, you know, if you find yourself doing that, that they can't do the job, then you need to make quick decisions and hire someone else who can do the job.
0: Yeah, that's so good. And I love what you said around, actually, it's not just about the outcomes and objectives you want as your business. It's also about the development of the people that you have working for you. It's a win for them if they kind of go, okay, this is a challenging part of my job or this is a new part of my role or whatever and by working through it and coming out the other side they actually have a win for themselves and there's Mm. a a satisfaction there right for that individual totally so that's a really cool thought and so in a sense if we aren't if we aren't giving feedback you can see my brain ticking over as I'm like I've got to give feedback (laughs) Um, but if we aren't giving feedback we aren't actually we're not helping them either right? We're not helping the people that are working for us.
1: We can just finish right here. I feel like, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like great, fantastic. I've got it. So, well, I think, I think that, I think one of the things about feedback and I'll just kind of like wrap it up with this is that it's not about that like once yearly performance review. The once yearly performance review should be a, um, you know, a calibrator. It should, there should be nothing in that performance review that is a shock to anyone. So it's really, you know, as a, as a business owner, making sure you're having those really regular, constant conversations, you know, whether they're easy or hard, doesn't matter. You're keeping, you're constantly course correcting as you're going with that person. It's not, you know, we don't wait till, um, you know, June 29th to, <laughs> yeah. to have those conversations with our people and then go, oh, no, sorry, you know, you suck. It's, you know, the the (laughs) constant, those constant conversations and then you actually find that the more feedback that you're giving, uh, you don't actually need to have as many hard conversations because you're constantly tweaking and course correcting and, um, yeah, so I think that feedback piece is incredibly important to make time for.
0: Yeah, that's so, so true. And, I mean, for someone who is listening, and I'm curious about your journey in this, How did you go from, and you said earlier that you're more in that CEO role, and I love that Mm -hmm. you, even the language that you have around that, because I think a lot of the time in small business, we're like, well, I'm the owner operator, but I love that you have the language of, no, 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 I'm a CEO. How did you go from thinking, okay, I'm a marketing person to, no, I'm a CEO of a business? What was that transition like for you?
1: Uh. And originally, initially, I, my title was co-founder. So before, I didn't feel right calling myself the CEO of anything until I, you know, had products that made money that, you know, had a place in the market. You know, I didn't want to be the CEO of nothing, essentially. Yeah. So I stuck with co-founder for a while. And then as soon as the business became more established and Um, You know, I started hiring people and getting different people to do different things and I found myself more in that, you know, I was still down in the details but I was also having that higher level uh, management role um, and Marty was doing more and more content production only. It it morphed and we kind of had a conversation one day where Marty actually said, he's like, I think you need to change your title to CEO because we need to make it clear to people who are communicating with us externally who does what role. Um, I don't want people coming to me because they think that I run the business, but I don't. So, you know, it, it was kind of like for us to be able to make that distinction between... I'm the person that runs the business in conjunction with Marty, but it it really was just that separator of like, okay, Marty is the content guy. Marty's the guy that stands up on stage and, you know, talks to our leadership and Marty's the guy on the podcast. You don't go to Marty for a sales inquiry or, you know, the the nuts and bolts of the business. So yeah, that was really what it was for us. It was quite a natural progression to get to that point. And I think, um, you know, when, when you know, you know, probably is what I'd say. Yeah. I
0: I love that. I think that's a really, really, it's just nice to kind of see that transition how that played out for you, because there's a lot in small business where we kind of, we, we get caught in the weeds. We don't see ourselves as leaders. And, and we also don't, I think sometimes we just roll with the punches rather than setting clear vision and really actually believing in setting standards that your people can reach and that that you can reach. And for me, as I've, as the business has grown, I've realized I can't just be the writer design person who shows up on social media and shows up in these like sales emails and different things. I can't just be the creative. I actually need to be the manager and, you know, and I think it's Mm. such a, such a learning curve. So, um, you know, if-
1: oh, it's it so easy. You, you're learning all the time. Like you're always you know, course correcting. Like what I said before, you're constantly going, you know, okay, I need to do a little bit more of this or I need to do a little bit less of this. Um, I think what you said about vision, that just made me think of uh, something that, you know, we, uh, we want to be a global business. We want to be a multi, multi, multi-million dollar business. The title of CEO fits with that. The title yeah. of co-founder, not so much. So, you know, I want to be the CEO of that business. So it's like, you know, I create, you know, we kind of created that thinking, okay, well, that's kind of business that we want to be. If we want to be that business, we're going to need a CEO. Who is that CEO? And it, and that it, we kind of worked it backwards from there. So when you talk yeah. about the vision of where you want the business to go, um, that's really important as well, like as in terms of how you look at yourself as yeah. a CEO or an owner operator, and maybe you just do want to be an owner operator and that's your vision and you want to have more of a lifestyle business and that is totally fine to keep your title as is. It really just has to fit where you want to go um, and where you currently are in, that, in the, the cycle or the phase of the business.
0: Yeah, that's so, so helpful. Okay, I've got a couple more questions for you. Now, given that our community are small business owners, a lot of solo entrepreneurs trying to juggle everything... What is your biggest piece of advice that you wish you knew when you started your CEO mentor?
1: So this isn't actually something that I wish I knew because I did know it, but it has been the most invaluable thing to me. So I I have to share it. Um, I was so lucky that Marty was the CEO of multi-billion dollar business because he He knew everything about business and business strategy and how to set the business up before we even started. And I, looking back, I just think I would never have done X, Y, Z. You know, I would never, you know, the way we set the business up, we spent tens of thousands of dollars on legal fees to set the business up in the right structures from the very beginning, even though we weren't making a cent and we had no idea if any of our products would sell or anything like that. (laughs) Um, Because he was like, when we start making money, this all needs to be set up right, you know, and we had, we, you know, we had an accountant, we had a bookkeeper, like we had everything in place before, you know, before we started. Now, that's not my tip. My tip is that Marty made a really simple spreadsheet, actually two spreadsheets. One of them is where we outlined our, um, our worst case scenario income for the year, our um, expected case income for the year and our best case income for the year. And we kind of went, we kind of go through. So every uh, June, I guess, June, July, we go through, um, we set goals for ourselves. We go, okay, you know, we want to get this many speaking gigs at this price. We want to get this many mentoring clients at this price, whatever it is. And we map all of that out and we look at, you know, okay, so if we're doing that, what are the expenses? And when we first started doing this, we were just you know, spitball and we had no idea actually what our expenses would be. But obviously now we look at what we did last year and kind of work our way. Okay, well, you know, we want to shoot a really beautiful piece of content. So let's add like $5,000 here or, you know, whatever the thing is, we kind of flex up and down. But that, that spreadsheet is basically where I make all my decisions, all the functions work so that um, if I change one thing, so let's say when I was thinking about hiring a full-timer, I could just go into that spread sh- spreadsheet straight away, put in the wage and see, scroll down to the bottom and see what my impact will be based on, you know, what, what I was expecting to spend and what I was expecting to receive, you know, in income. And I could see whether that was a good decision or a bad decision within 20 seconds. So having that spreadsheet where I can just go in at any point in time, I update it live. So I update it, you know, at the end of each month, I put in the actuals and I can see like it it sounds complicated but it's not. Like you would be able to, you know, put it together in a couple of hours like just figuring out what all your your income like I put tax in there. So I really get granular around okay, this is where this is where we're at and if I spend more money here, this is what's going to happen. And if I make more money here, this is what's going to happen. And the confidence that that has given me to make choices and to make decisions is invaluable because, it, you know, you know, how sometimes you can think, oh, well, I can't afford that. Or if I, yeah. you know, if I did that, then, you know, I'd be really skint or, you know, whatever the case may be. I just go to the spreadsheet. I plug in some numbers. I go, okay, well, you know, if we're looking too top heavy there, then I can, um, you know, take $10,000 out of the travel budget or whatever that is and I can move things around. Having that top line vision of what the business looks like makes you so confident and comfortable to invest or pull yourself back. And, you know, constantly looking at those numbers, like I'm not a, a financial person, but, you know, having this having this in front of me to go, if I do this, this happens. If I do this, this happens. That has, has me- meant that I've moved forward faster than I ever would have if I didn't have that and I know a lot of business owners who are friends of mine who I say, well, what happens if you hire a, you know, someone 20 hours a week to do X, Y, Z? And they go, I don't know. And I'm like, you need that. You need that spreadsheet where you can just go, okay, that'll cost me X amount of dollars. Let's say because I've hired them to do that, I'll get X amount of dollars more. And this is what it looks like at the end. If you don't have that, you're, you're shooting fish in a barrel. And you're yeah. waiting for the next time your accountant updates you in a quarter and goes, mm, you're a bit low on cash. So um, yeah, that's that's what I would say.
0: The thing I hate about the whole like accounting process is that they will come to you and they're, they're thinking three months behind. And it's like, they're kind of looking at it historically like, oh, that quarter was not as good or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> that information would have been useful to me in the middle of it. Yep. Like, you know, it's, it's exactly. so something like that, that's instant that you can see, but also to give you a bit more confidence, right? Because I think a lot of the time the finances can make us play, play small because we think, yeah, well, I, I don't even know if I have enough or I don't know if this investment is going to yield a return, but I love that you're just plugging it in and, and looking at the data and going, right, well, that's numbers don't lie, you know?
1: Exactly. And I think, you know, that's as well why when we were looking at hiring Tash, I originally, what I thought that I wanted to spend on that salary, I plugged it in and I was like, "Mm, actually, that's not so bad. If I could spend an extra 10, 20K, could I get uh, someone better? You know, could I get someone who had more experience or, you know, whatever the case may be? And so I was able to pick you know, the best person from the market at that point in time who, you know, came came into our side of vision because I knew I could afford to pay at that top range of what that role was asking. If I didn't have that spreadsheet to actually play out what that might look like, I would have not done that. I would have just gone, no, this is what I want to spend on this role because that's what I think that role is, is worth. And, you know, I don't know what, what the quality of like, it may have been fine, but the fact that I knew that I could actually afford to do that, that is absolutely liberating.
0: Yeah, that is amazing. Ah, that sounds so, so good. I need to definitely set, set me up a spreadsheet.
1: (laughs) I'll I'll share mine with you. (laughs) Oh my gosh,
0: would you? Oh my gosh, that would be incredible.
1: Yes, I would. Yeah. Oh. Although Marty, Marty did all the functions, so you know I'm not all the all the sums. I'm not so good at the sums. The but, functions.
0: Yeah. I'm terrible at the functions. I'm like, yeah. All I can, yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to tell you the the little amount of things I can do on you know Microsoft Excel. But anyway, same.
1: no, I can change numbers. That's pretty much it. Yes. I can change numbers and highlight cells. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so tell me what is next for you and your CEO mentor? I know that you guys have got so much coming up and it's all growing. So tell us what's next. Yes. Well, next is the book.
1: So that yeah. is our, it's really our key focus for uh, the rest of the year. We're, we're in the middle of a launch for Leadership Beyond the Theory at the moment. So um, that will run for kind of two months. And then yeah. Fully focused on the book. It's getting published in the US. So Marty is actually moving over there in July, which I know is a little bit crazy given the state of affairs in wow. the world at the moment. But um, it's, it's you know, we want to be a, a global business. We've got to go where the action is. So he'll move over there. The book will be published on the 31st of August and it's just a completely different world of marketing that I've um, never done anything, you know, about books before and it's so exciting. Like I'm just loving um, every step of this learning process. So, you know, we'll probably hire a few more people, for the, you know, by the end of the year and, you know, just kind of keep, keep growing and keep scaling and, and see where we end up for 2022 and then maybe I'll have a holiday. I don't know. Oh, my
0: gosh. <laughs> yes. And whereabouts in the U.S. is Marty moving?
1: He'll probably start in Boston that's where my stepmom's yeah. from so um, it makes sense that they kind of start there and it's you know relatively close to the places that Marty'll need to be but my stepmom wants to move to Florida so I don't know I don't know if she'll get if she'll get <laughs> Marty over there but um, we'll see we'll see we'll see where they end up She wants the warm weather that's why she loves Brisbane which I, yeah. I get it I get it
0: yeah. Oh, I love it. And so where can people find you? Where can people follow you and, and see more of your things? And I know you've got a podcast, so where can people do everything? <laughs>
1: Yes, everything. Um, so our website is just yourceomentor.com. Very simple. Our podcast is No Bullshit Leadership. Very easy to find. Um, and then we're just on most social channels um, at Your CEO Mentor. So, um, yeah, come follow us on whatever you, whatever you do, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook.
0: Great. And we'll have to get you guys back on when Marty's new book is out because I know that that's going to be – so great I'm really looking forward to that
1: yeah you should ask him the same questions that you asked me and see if he uh,
0: gives you the same responses
1: yeah I'll be like what's it like working with your daughter how do you feel
0: about it (laughs) we
1: will say it's a nightmare no
0: oh thank you so much for joining us Em it's been an absolute pleasure
1: you're welcome thanks for having me on What a conversation. I
0: am already taking notes of things I need to implement, things I need to change in the way that I lead within my small business and within my community. Now, I encourage you, if you're looking for any of the links that we mentioned today, including Your CEO Mentors podcast, then head on over to our show notes. You'll find so many great resources that they have to offer right there. Now, if you want to continue the conversation, head on over to our Facebook group, just search My Business Playbook and you'll find us. And also, if you loved this episode, please leave us a review, share it with your friends, share it in your family group text, whatever it is. I would be so grateful for that. Music from this episode is by Jake Scott and you can listen to him on Spotify and Apple Music. Now, as always, thank you so much for listening to My Business Playbook. Thank you for being in the community. I'll catch you next week, same time, same place. Go get them.